Hello and welcome to A Father's Heart, a podcast for Catholic dads, brought to you by the Diocese of Nottingham. This podcast series will explore Patris Cordier, that is, the apostolic letter written by Pope Francis for the year of St. Joseph. Each month, we'll speak to two dads from around the diocese and explore one of the parts of the document. Each part highlights a different characteristic of St. Joseph as a father. We'll be sharing our thoughts and reflections on this document and how the different fathers from around the diocese try to live this out. Here is this month's episode. Hello and welcome to episode three of A Father's Heart. This is our podcast for Catholic dads in the year of St. Joseph. In this month's podcast, we'll be looking at section six of Patris Cordier, that is, a working father, and consider how St. Joseph brings the balance of being a father, a husband, a worker, and a, a dad as well. In this month's episode, we'll be speaking to two working fathers, and not just any ordinary working fathers, they are also both deacons of our diocese. They'll be speaking about how they try to juggle their responsibilities as a deacon, a husband, a father, and in their respective jobs too. I've delighted to be joined by Deacon Rick Jones from Grimsby and Deacon David Kerry from Nottingham. Deacon Rick is a police officer and Deacon David is an accountant. It's great to hear how they live out their diaconate, not just in the church and in their family, but both in secular professions too. This episode is slightly longer than our normal ones because it filled with some great discussions and great reflections and more questions came out of our conversations than the ones that I'd pre-written. So I hope you do enjoy this episode. You may want to split it into two halves or return to it another time, but I do encourage you to listen all the way to the end after some fantastic discussion. Now, before I get into our interview, I'm going to read out section six and help us to reflect on what Pope Francis draws upon of St. Joseph as a working father. A working father. An aspect of St. Joseph that have been emphasized from the time of the first social encyclical. Pope Leo XIII's Rerum Novarum, if in relation to work. St. Joseph was a carpenter who created an honest living to provide for his family. From him, Jesus learned the value, the dignity, and the joy of what it means to eat bread that is the fruit of one's own labor. In our own day, when employment has once more become a burning social issue, and unemployment at times reaches record levels, even in nations that for decades have enjoyed a certain degree of prosperity, there is a renewed need to appreciate the importance of dignified work, of which St. Joseph is an exemplary patron. Work is a means of participating in the work of salvation, an opportunity to hasten the coming of the kingdom, to develop our talents and abilities, and to put them at the service of society and fraternal communion. It becomes an opportunity for the fulfillment not only of oneself, but also of that primary cell of society which is the family. A family without work is particularly vulnerable to difficulties, tensions, estrangement and even breakup. How can we speak of human dignity 
without working to ensure that everyone is able to earn a decent living. Working persons, whatever their job may be, are cooperating with God himself and in some way become creators of the world around us. The crisis of our time, which is economic, social, cultural and spiritual, can serve as a summon for all of us to rediscover the value, the importance and the necessity of work for bringing about a new normal from which no one is excluded. St. Joseph's work reminds us that God himself in becoming man did not disdain work. The loss of employment that affects so many of our brothers and sisters and have increased as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic should serve as a summons to review our priorities. Let us implore St. Joseph, the worker, to help us find ways to express our firm conviction that no young person, no person at all, no family should be without work. So a big welcome to our guest this week. We are blessed to have two deacons with us who are husbands and fathers as well. So a warm welcome to Deacon Rick Jones and Deacon David Kerry. Well, let's start with you, Deacon Rick. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? I'd love to. So um, I've been ordained now as a permanent deacon, just coming up to five years. I'm a feast of St. Barnabas is when I was ordained. So 11th of June, it's my fifth year anniversary. Um, How old am I now? 46 years old. Um, and married now to Tara for uh, 24 and a half years, I think. Uh, she'll get to correct me if I'm wrong, obviously. Um, I've got three wonderful children. Um, my oldest has just been accepted and been uh, employed by a diocese of a prize, which I'm very proud of. And I've got Michaela, who's 18, who's going off to university in September. And I've got JP, who's 15 and a chip off your block, which may some people may be going, oh, my God, not another one. But, you know, we, we, we are all good and we're all well. Um, my, my normal job, as I like to call it, is um, I'm a police officer um, and I work for Lincolnshire Police. And there's actually two of us, permanent deacons, working for Lincolnshire Police, um, myself and Warren Peachy, um, which is quite... Unusual, and of course, we we also had. If he's listening in, we also used to have Martin Chambers, who is now retired as the police officer as well. So there used to be three of us in Lincolnshire Police. Um, I don't know if we ever converted anybody, but our Lord will only know. <laughs> that is quite a collection uh, together in like having three police officers uh, have deacons and all of them in the same uh, police force. Mm. Excellent. So, uh, Deacon David, over to you. Okay, so I'm 56 years old and I'm a cradled Catholic, so um, I've actually been worshipping at St. Barnabas Cathedral in Nottingham all my life. Uh, My parents were actually married there and I received my sacraments of initiation, so baptism, confirmation and First Holy Communion there. Um, I've also been an altar server there for 45 years prior to ordination as a deacon, so it very much is a second home to me. Ironically, I also met my wife, Eva, through the church. She was in the choir as I was in altar service. So um, casting looks across the pews is, <laughs> is probably the best way of putting it. <laughs> um, we've been married now for 28 years, and we're blessed with uh, six children, ranging from 26 down to 14, which is quite an interesting dynamic, actually, because you, you're talking to the older ones on a man-to-man, woman-to-man uh, level, and uh, and still looking at the father father-son relationship with the with the younger ones so quite interesting on that 
Um, when I'm not doing my deacon work, I do have a day job as well as a finance business partner or an accountant, as people more commonly know it. And we work for the local authority. And I've been there about 18 years now. And again, I've been in finance sort of all my life since training with uh, Bruce the Chemist many, many moons ago. Um, as a deacon, I'm sort of involved a lot in the parish life and the work together, looking particularly at um, sort of working with the other members the catechists and the clergy on the RCIE and RCIC, the journey of faith, which I find you know hugely rewarding, and as well as going on on the uh, baptism courses, um, I was ordained to the permanent deacon diaconate by Bishop Patrick in July 2018, so coming up to three years, uh, and this followed four years of. Um, formation training at Oscott, which was where I met Rick. So I've, I've known Mick, Rick now for probably about uh, seven years. And I was fortunate enough to be at his ordination along with six other gents at the time. So it's a wonderful day. I remember it uh, vividly, you know. That's excellent. Thank you very, uh, both very much for joining us. Um, this month we are looking at, a bit, I've kind of put the uh, letter of Pope Francis a little bit all over the place out of order, just kind of where I thought it'd be a bit interesting just to take uh, different points. And particularly as we are in May, and when we think about St. Joseph the Worker, uh, of this of a working father. And I'm delighted to have uh, two deacons here because it's quite a good example of trying to get the balance right. And we'll be talking a little bit about this, uh, of being a father, being a husband, working in full-time work, and then giving so much of your time to the church as well. But as you don't often get a lot of podcasts, well, I haven't found many a lot of podcasts where uh, you get a couple of deacons uh, talking a bit about it. So um, what drew you to diaconate? How did you feel that God was calling you to be a deacon? And uh, what are your kind of initial thoughts about that? Wow. Um, so... I mean, a bit like David said right at the beginning, so, you know, cradle, being a cradle captain as well, I, I, obviously, I say obviously, sort of 18, 19, 20, um, I, I was, I, I, I thought I was actually being called to um, uh, the priesthood. Um, and um, at that time, I see Father John McKay, who was a vocations director, bless him. And uh, I, 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 um, I spoke to him and... Uh, and basically, Tehran said, "Go away and grow up," which is fine. You know, <laughs> um, and essentially, you may want to do something. You may want to do a little bit um, of work, maybe look at a prize or something, just to get some um, some some uh, experience. Um, and at that stage, um, uh, Father uh, Jonathan Cotton, who we knew through Steve Foster, God rest him. Um, uh, I got speaking to him and he, he mentioned about the, the Nottingham Pilgrims, which was obviously the Darsen Outreach team at the time. Um, and uh, I was accepted there uh, in 1991, I think it was. Um, so off I went, thinking this is my start of my journey to the priesthood. And within, uh, I, I walked into um, the Briars because we actually started on the Eucharistic Ministers weekend. Um, so we went into the Briars and uh, I met the rest of my team, and there was my wife who sat down the end of a corridor at stage. My now, my now wife, and my first thought, well, well, she's a bit of a snob, 
which was quite interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, she came from London, she had a bit of a posh accent, so I thought, you know, she's a bit of a snob. She thought I was a bit of an idiot, fair enough. Um, and then after after about six or seven weeks, we actually found out we did actually like each other. And, um, you know, I've, I've, my vocation, vocation choice changed. Um, I was very clear very quickly that, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't put out for a priesthood. And looking back now, I can see why I wasn't. Um, and uh, realistically, you know, I, I look at it and go, um, if, 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 if Francis Tierney, Pope Francis Tierney tomorrow said, you know, we now allow married deacons to become priests, would I? No. Um, because I think the, the parent diaconate is a fantastic, uh, fantastic and a very standalone um, uh, ministry. Um, so uh, basically, trying to cut a long story short, uh, went through um, the first sort of 10, 15 years of marriage. We lived in London at the time, and uh, my parish priest, uh, Vincent Flynn, turned around to me when I was about 25, 26, and said, have you ever thought about the permanent diaconate? I said, no. I didn't even know there was a such, thing, a, a such a thing as a permanent diaconate. Um, and we looked into it, and obviously then we found out that uh, at last stage you had to be um, 35 to be um, placed on the, on the course. Um, and in Southwark Diocese of our stage, you also had to be 10 years married before they would accept you on the course as well. Um, so it's like, okay, well, we'll put that on the back burner. Um, it's, it's something to think about. I then, we made, I then moved, uh, became a police officer, and because I became a police officer, we moved locations within London and um, moved parishes, got involved with my next parish, and the parish priest said, turned around to me again and said, have you ever thought about being a permanent deacon? I was just like, no, I haven't. Oh, sorry. Yes, I have. Um, but I said I was too young. And it was still the same. And I was probably about 34 at this stage. And then we got uprooted and we had to, um, we realised we was having our um, uh, number three. Um, so we had to move location. So uh, in 2000, when was it being? 2006, um, we relocated to Lincolnshire. It's back to Grimsby where I came from. Um, recently lost my dad, so he came to help me mum as well. Um, and while I was here, uh, parish priest was James Early. Again, God rest him. And uh, he turned around to me while I was here and he says, have you ever thought about a permanent diaconate? Uh, at which stage I then spoke to Dave Kane, who was the then vocations director, realised that the course was then at Maryvale. And because I was on shifts uh, at that time, the course was out of a question because actually the course was, some of it was a Maryville, but an awful lot of it was you had to travel on a Tuesday evening to different parts of a diocese for a two hour lecture on something or another. And it was just like, there's no way in I can commit to that whatsoever. Um, Days before Zoom, eh? Oh, absolutely. God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I spoke to Dave a couple of years later and he says, oh, we've changed. We're now in Maryvale. Um, so I went through my, put my application form in and uh, I've always known, always known that, 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 that I, there was a ministry within the church for me. Um, I've got great affiliation, a great love for Our Lady of Lourdes. Um, she's always stood by me. Um, and throughout about 10, 11 years, I was just getting continuous. And you will be, you will be. 
you know, you will be. And that's all I kept on going, you will be. Um, I had five years in seminary. I turn around and say, it's not real, by the way, those who are listening. But I do say I got five years because I got an extra year stuck on for bad behaviour. That's not true. <laughs> um, uh, it was just a, when we was in Maryvale, uh, the, the Maryvale course collapsed halfway through our second year. Um, so we then went to Oscott the following year and had to start year two again. Um, but it sounds better if I say I got a year stuck on for bad behaviour. So, and people, people who know me can go, yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> so, yeah so that, that that's that's my that's my sort of my my sort of journey um it's very much a uh and i'll say this now it's very much a and i'm sure dave will agree with me it's, it's you know my diaconate is not me my diaconate is myself my wife um i can't be a deacon without her yeah, she's yeah. very much a silent partner in me in me um uh, in the partnership but um you know, she, she's, she, there is no way in God's earth I could do it without her. So the diaconate is very much um, mine and Tara's and not just mine. That's excellent. Thank you. If one sort of see, I, I've heard so many times in different vocation stories, it's always somebody else who kind of, it kind of prods you. I think sometimes we can hear our own, own prayers and stuff, but God does encourage us to listen to others. And uh, great to hear you had. Our Lady uh, supporting you as well, and I think we'll come back to that. Uh, quite interesting, we were saying there at the end about uh, the role of your wife yeah. supporting you in the mm. diaconate. So we've heard from uh, Deacon David. It'd be great to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. Over to you, Deacon mm. Dave. Okay, well, I think uh, I'm one of those people that could have almost done with the like St. Paul conversion, being sort of blinded by the light and <laughs> given a completely clear message so that there was no ambiguity, but uh, didn't quite work like that. But it, um, it did actually have the, the best of starts in the, in the best of places because um, my, my sort of story of the becoming a deacon or, be, you know, being called um, actually started off... Um, each year, about August time, we go down to the New Dawn Conference in Walsingham as a family. And um, the we sort of camp over for a week, and, and, it's, and it's great being on site and, you know, enjoying all of the, the, um, the services and the, you know, Eucharistic pilgrimage and everything. And um, the entrance is by suggested donation, and the organisers always struggle to cover the costs. So usually on the on the Wednesday they, they do the real Catholic thing and have an appeal and a second collection, and um, two of the guys that I knew um, were doing the counting and they said, "Oh, you, would you be able to give us a couple of hours?" So I said, "Yeah, for fair enough, you know, a bit of a busman's <laughs> busman's holiday to an accountant, <laughs> isn't it? Really, you know." Um, so this went on till probably about eleven o'clock one night, and and I knew that I was I needed to actually relax before I well, I went to bed or else I. I wouldn't have slept with all the figures going around in my head. So I just went back to the tent and I said to my wife, and uh, I'm just going into the church for a bit. And one of the beauties of the New Dawn Conference is that they have all night adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, which is which is beautiful, you know. And people will be in there and they'll have the blankets around them and, you know, quite nice and toasty with them, warm and everything, you know, and flasks of uh, coffee as everything. And um, this was back in sort of August 2013. And I was re sort of thinking back on the consultation that came out from Bishop Patrick, uh, sorry, from Bishop um, Malcolm, who we had at the time, who's now obviously Archbishop Malcolm of Liverpool, um, called We Are Living Stones. 
And that was looking at this sort of um, age profile of the clergy, um, planned retirements, planned vocations, you know, and, and sort of looking at the overall picture. And, you know, uh, we're all wide awake enough to know that it was, you know, it's pretty poor, poor numbers coming through, unfortunately. And what the bishop was asking was to step out of the boat, basically, and, and see what part the laity could do and help help the priests in, in whatever ways they can. So I was just kneeling before the Lord, and I said in my own mind, you know, I thought, well, okay, Lord, what do you want to me? You know, what what path do you want me to go down? How can I, can I help, you know? And... Um, very strangely, at the time, he, he put the he put into my mind the face of the permanent deacon that we had at the cathedral. Now, a bit like Rick was saying, I'd sort of not looked into the permanent diaconate at all, other than sort of knowing that this guy read the gospel and helped out a bit at mass, and that 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 was it as far as I was concerned. Um, so I sort of dismissed it in my my own mind and, and carried on praying, and then. Um, left and went, went back to our tent. And over the course of the week and over the next couple of weeks, this, this image of his face kept on appearing in my mind. And I thought, and, you know, after, after a while, even, even the penny dropped with me and I thought, okay, so you want me to look into this then, don't you? you know. Um, so I started to read about it and, and, and pray about it. And um, I spoke to my wife and I've got to admit, she was, she was a bit surprised, but very supportive. Um, and then I spoke to my children and, and they looked at me as, as only children can at the parents thinking he's, he's obviously going through a, you know, <laughs> a religious midlife crisis or something, you know. Um, so undaunted by this, I kept on reading and, and thinking about it and praying. And, and I think, as we were saying, sometimes other people seeing you, what you don't necessarily see in yourself. I think that was confirmed to me one Sunday morning. I was preparing to serve mass, and um, the dean can, we had at the time, Canon Jeffrey Hunton, called me into the sacristy and said, "You know, shut the door." And I thought, "Oh, I'm in trouble, you know, for something." And he says, um, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Yes, of course you can." You know, he says, uh, "Have you ever thought about the permanent diaconate?" <laughs> and I've got to admit, I just smiled at him. He says, what are you smiling at? I says, well, I was probably a couple of weeks away from coming to talk to you, thinking that there may be a vocation there. So he says, oh, okay, that's interesting. So he says, well, go away and carry on praying and thinking about it. And if nothing else changes, come back and, you know, talk to me. So obviously nothing did change. Um, so I went back and, and then he put me in touch with the formation team and put me through for an interview and... As they say, the rest is history. So. Oh, that's excellent. Again, it's great hearing the parallels in the stories uh, there about, again, Our Lady at Work, it, of Lords or Walton. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, great to remember that. If we think of this year about St. Joseph. He's very much, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall the times he went to Our Lady yeah. for advice and, uh, and, mm. and help, really. Um, before we kind of move on to our kind of next bit, it'd be great to hear about how you said, kind of started to pick up there about the role of your family particularly your wife in supporting you something actually we haven't really talked about much on, uh, i think we're into episode three now of our podcast yeah. and we haven't really talked about the role of how our wives support us in, in father it'd be great to hear about that what the role of the uh, the role of the wife of a deacon and how that kind of fits into everything so i'm not sure if to jump in first to say a little bit about that go on david go on uh, I think certainly for me, you know, um, and 
sort of almost echoing what uh, Rick was saying, really. I think it's important to have a very strong foundation behind you. Um, I think you need, you need a strong marriage, you know, and you, you've got to, the, the, the whole beauty of having a, of, of a wife is, is having that sort of best friend as well as, you know, as well as you, your soulmate. Um, and I know that I won't be able to do this without her because I'm, I'm very conscious that, you know, the, the Diakida, which I, I, I really, really enjoy doing and, and you know, and, uh, and I love being able to give, give service of myself, but I know that I've got to be careful that I'm not sort of um, disadvantaging my wife or my family by doing so. Because I think you know it's it's got to be it's the the whole package. And I, I remember when we were at um, Oscott, uh, one of our trainers said that you know you you've got um, you've got a foot first and foremost your main vocation is your family, and then it's your diaconate and your work. You know, and then it said unless you've got that balance right, and I think that's that's the that's the thing that is difficult is to try and make sure that you're giving enough time to to everybody to your vocation, to your wife and children, and, and you know, and as well as to your, your daily work. But also it's important to give time to yourself as well. Because, you know, if, if we if we burn ourselves out, we're not going to be any good to anybody mm. in, in, in all of the spheres that we're, we're asked to do. So um, fortunately, you know, Eva and, and, and the, the Tara has, has been very supportive of both of us all the way through, you know, and, and I've said to my wife on a number of occasions, you know, certainly when I was training, um, if this isn't right, or if you've, if you don't feel that this is right for us as a couple, you've got to let me know, you know, because I said, you, you've got to come first. Um, not that the, the jacket is by any means an add on, but it's, it's part, it, it will complete me as a person, but it can't be at the detriment of our family, you know? Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. I think I think similar to um, similar to David. I mean, I, I don't think many people know, and I, I certainly can remember the letters um, very very well. And that is, you know, mm. when, when we when you're um, when you go through the uh, the selection process with the diaconate, um, the next thing you do is you write to the bishop formally and ask to be accepted onto the program. Um, he then writes back to you and says, "Yes, I have to accept you onto the program." I'm now going to seek your wife's permission. So when the bishop writes to the wife to say, Richard wants to come onto a program, do you give your permission? And which she writes back, and it has to be handwritten, it can't be computer, it has to be handwritten and signed. Yeah. And she writes back and says, yes. So you then go through your formation, and right at the end, you get the, the um, you then go to your the formation dashboard and go, you know, we're happy now for you to go forward. So you get a letter to say, we're happy to go forward. Um, and then again, we, we write to the bishop to say, um, after formation, the director of formation teams are happy for us to go forward for automation. Please we accept my my petition to become um, uh, ordained of holy orders. To which he goes, yes, I will, once I get your wife's permission. So the wife has the first say in a formation journey and the last say in a formation journey. So I, so although, I, although the, the male does all the work for five years, if at that last stage of a journey, the wife goes, actually, no, that's it. Formation stops. Mm -hmm. So the wife has got a very, very, very um, uh, important role within the formation. Yeah. Realistically, what does Tara do for me in formation? She's my no. 
She's mm. my no. Mm. Because I'm, I, I, I know Dave's quite similar in relation to, um, I'll bend over backwards to help anybody. I'll bend over backwards to help anyone really in parish. I'll take, you know, I'll take on other people's woes, other people's issues. Um, when somebody turned around to me, and it was when I was my spiritual director, the first question he ever asked me was, um, why, what, what's, it, what's the importance of being a deacon? And I couldn't answer that. I couldn't answer that. Mm. Um, and he sent me away to do some, you know, prayer and reflection on it. And when I came back to him, I said, you know, I'm still struggling. And he turned around and says, the most important new job is, job you'll be do as being a permanent deacon is just being. That's it, just being. And was, again, I was like bemused by it. What, what is that? What is that? And I came and spoke to Tara. And it was very much, you know, you are placed in a right place at a right time for the right reason, for the right person to need, to need you. Um, and however, you can take that back to home. Um, and it's, it's important for, 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 for Tara, especially Tara and her family, is that they have the say whether or not I enter into that long-term commitment with that person, in essence. Um, because it does, it does take effect. Um, on a Tuesday when we're in ordinary time, on a Tuesday and Thursdays when I go into the hospital to give my ministry, um, Tara will say goodbye to me at five in the evening. I should know not to expect me at home until I've finished. Um, you know, because I can go in and I can see nobody. Or I can go in and see one person and I want person to take seven hours. Um, you know, and, and you, just, you just don't know. Um, but it's having the support there of Tara and Eve in relation to um, ensuring that I can do what I need to do, but they're my safety blanket, they're my no. That's cracking. If, if really interesting uh, to hear that. If not quite the same, but I know when I was the night before my interview for this job that I'm now doing, I suddenly thought of like, there's going to be a lot more evenings and weekend work than well, my coat of working in schools before. And I'm just thinking, what happens if this affects my, um, like, my family life? And uh, so I get <laughs> of lying in bed, I gave my wife a nudge, which I'm not sure she was too impressed with. I yeah. finally got the baby down to sleep. <laughs> and I said, like, kind of <laughs> pour this out to her. And she gave, firstly, pray about it, Joe. <laughs> and uh, she gave, and if it does, don't worry, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. I, th I think that's really important. Uh, so that's, that's um, great to hear. I think, sorry, Joe, just quickly as well, going on with David as well, I think what is important is that I did make that mistake, and I know David knows this, I did make that mistake in my first two years of ministry where I did burn myself out um, because I wasn't listening to people around me in relation to, you know, you're doing, taking too much and you blah, blah, blah. And I actually did burn myself out, um, and, and I had to step back away from ministry as well as my job for four or five months while I regathered myself and, and, and got myself back on my straight and narrow. So, um, and that was just, you know, but, but was it the pressure of a ministry? It was to do with that. It was still work. It was me, it was me not getting my balances correctly. It was me not listening to that no. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's really, really important to be able to, to, to be able to get that, to be able to get that balance and, and, and recognize recognize the barriers <laughs> so you don't break through them again 
Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's true because, you know, there's, um, and I think one of the fortunate things was when we were going through Oscott was that the wives were actually encouraged to come on the formation days. So they went through the same sort of um, Saturday on the classes as well. And I think that that gave, certainly gave Eva a good insight as to what we were being taught as well. And it helped helped her faith as well. But, you know, I think I think there's, there is times when, you know, I find as if I'm doing too much and, you know, you think to yourself, no, I, I, I need a weekend off. You know, it's and it's, you know, we were talking before we came on was that you get to that stage where you, you're sort of so wrapped up with everything, you know, um, being an accountant sort of I, I had uh, year end and I had Easter at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, was, it was just like, the, you know, all, all coming together, you know, and, and you think to yourself, right, I need to almost like sort of block everything else out because I need to be able to concentrate on that both at church and at my work and have, still have time to spend with the family. So, you know, sometimes you've got to just almost clear your diary and think, right, that's it. I just need to deal with these things at the moment. And then when we get through this, then I can, you know, I can go and do some more. But it's trying to get everything in perspective. And it's it's not easy. I feel sometimes feel like I've, I'm juggling three balls and I'm only an apprentice juggler. You know? So <laughs> yeah. I, tend to, I tend to drop one of them as I go along the way. But, uh, you know, we, we do we do what we can do. And, uh, you know, God, God knows our limitations. And I think, uh, you know, he, he gives us as much as we can cope with. But sometimes we we just don't realize what we can cope with, yeah. you know. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that, both especially uh, Rick there. That was um, really humble and quite probably strikes a tune with many people listening. Uh, so it's, uh, I think it's very important to talk about that because I think as dads, as husbands, we can sometimes think that we have to be, because there's a sense of protection in our role and we have to be the strong ones. And sometimes it's, it's important to acknowledge actually Yes, we are meant to be the strong ones, but not alone. Mm. And to kind of uh, and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and to call on the, those people that God have placed in our lives around us to, to carry that. I would say, I loved how you talked about the equal partnership within the diaconate of the you of the deacon and your wife of all, and that kind of the role of kind of to, that mutual support. And it's very true of marriages. And I think that's really, really interesting. I've a layman, not a deacon, to hear that really. So thank you very much for sharing. Um, Pulling back to our um, exploration of uh, Patris Cordier and uh, this section, was there anything that jumped out to you about um, what Pope Francis wrote about a working father and kind of that characteristic of St. Joseph? I think the thing that came to me was the the sort of um, honesty and um, solidity of St. Joseph. You know, we we don't read a lot about him in the Bible, but he's, he's, he's there in the background. You know, he's providing that sort of um, overarching care and love for, for Our Lady and for Jesus and, and bringing him up in the in the trade that he's been trained in, you know, and and um, and, and also the the complete obedience to the power of the of the Holy Spirit, you know, we, we see that a little bit earlier in Patris Corday when he was he was having the dreams mm. when he was first told, you know told that Mary was pregnant. You know, he he obviously wanted to do the right thing by her, which, show, which shows the the love that he had for her, um, and it, and he was guided then by the Holy Spirit that that he was to take her home as his wife, 
Um, and, and also the fact that, you know, when it was the slaughter of the innocents, that he was to escape into Egypt um, to protect the child and, 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 um, and his mother. And, you know, I think if, if, we, if we think about sort of one of the things I try and always do is sort of put myself into that situation and think how I would be. You know, and if somebody said to me, well, tonight you've got to, you've got to pack up everything and leave, leave you home for, for going somewhere that you, you don't actually know, you just wonder what, you know, where to start, I think, you know, and, and yet sadly these days we still see it with many refugees where they're in war-torn countries and, you know, they, they leave with a few belongings in a bag and the clothes they're standing up in, you know, and I think it's a, it's a very, very difficult situation. Um, but I think St. Joseph's such a, you know, his patron saint of workers. And um, and I think that's certainly over the sort of last sort of 15, 18 months with the pandemic, you know, it, it's it's shown what the, the beauty of work is. Because, you know, like it says here in work, it's a means of participating in the worker's salvation um, to develop our talents and abilities and to put them at the service of society. And, and I think that's, that's, that's been the thing that's sort of really affected us as a as a as a community over this this time. You know, our lives have been disrupted, whether that's been working from home or being on furlough. You know, I think one of the things we we need as 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 uh, adults is we need routine. We need to know where we where we're going to be day after day. Um, and you know, certainly, I think that goes for, goes for children and it goes for adults as well. You know, and I think when you're taken out of that just sort of usual daily routine, it sort of throws you a bit. You know, and and obviously, uh, there's been many people that have been sort of um, very badly treated with the you know having losing their jobs and everything like that. And you know, the, the whole the whole purpose of life has gone in some ways. You know, that's that's great. Thank you. About yourself, Deacon Rick. It's it's, it's interesting because um, I love I love I love it when when we get the story of of um, you know when when Mary and Joseph come together after Mary finds out uh, she's having Jesus and I, I don't know if it's my police officer's mind or whatever but I, I you know I can just imagine our conversation you know Joseph walks in after a hard day and Mary goes well Joseph it happened like this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just and just that. How how shocked and in awe he must have been. I know, obviously, he he was visited as well, but just that place of complete and utter trust in 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 God and and in God's will. And for me, you know, uh, and I'm sure for most people, you know, God will have to. You know, if, if I once wanted to write a book, well, after all day, and I wanted to write a book which said which was titled "God Speaks to Me in Slaps." <laughs> um, and the reason for that is is that I will hear what he wants me to do and I will keep on ignoring it and all of a sudden he'll just slap me and just go Oi, wake up and listen um, because I know I'm not I'm not I'm not a great one to sit I'm not a great one to sit and reflect and to listen and for Joseph just to um, take on that, that thing of yes Lord you know your will your will be done that's it um, and especially in today's society, again, I, you know, I speak very much as a deacon and a police officer here, you know, there are six, a very, very sad situation, which I walk into on a daily basis. Um, and the amount of unfortunate dysfunctional 
um, families without the, the father figure. And, you know, you, you can see it, you know, and, and I'm not saying I'm a best dad by any ways means, but you just look at these, you, you look at these, you look at these young kids and, and these young, young children and just go, no, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. All I want to do is, is, is just pick you up and take you home and just love you. But I can't. Um, and, but you can see actually what they need is that father's love, you know, and you can see it. And so for me with Joseph, it's, it's very much a bit of a constant, the constant of a father's love, the constant protector. And I do think, uh, like David says, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't hear much about him. I wish we did know a bit more about him. We don't hear much about him though. But I think in some ways that's quite powerful in its own right. But he was just the person who stood in the background with the overview of his family going, they're okay. They're okay. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and yeah. you know, uh, and that's, I suppose that's very much a father's love. And, and even with, um, even with myself now, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look at my children and I'll, you know, obviously we get worried about them, but I'll, I'll, I'll stand back and I'll just go, no, 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 they're, they're okay. I don't, I don't need to interfere. They're okay. Um, so it's that for me, Joseph is that, um, very much for the constant, the constant of a father's love, but he doesn't have to interrupt. He doesn't have to shout. He doesn't have to be angry. He doesn't have to be joyful. It's just, he's there. And I know he's there. I think he's also a very good example of, of, of trust oh. in God, you know, cause he, he, you know, he, he does what he's able to do. Um, you know, and, and that sort of the providing the physical needs, um, but you know, his 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 trust in God is is complete, so that he knows that, you know, we 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 don't know what age um, he Jesus was when when Joseph passed away. It doesn't tell us that, um, but you know, he he would have. You could see, you could imagine, he would have a real sense of pride in Jesus and seeing as he as he grew up and the the man he was becoming, you know, and 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 the and the love and support that he had for that Joseph had for both Mary and, and for Jesus, you know, it can, comes through very clearly in, in what we do hear about him, you know, but it's that total trust in God. I think that's the, the key element, you know, it, it's like, okay, Lord, you want me to go to another country tonight? Okay. Right. Well, let's get on with it then. Yeah. <laughs> Not a, well, can't we go tomorrow? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's chucking it down with rain. Can't we go the day after? We no, it's, we're going we tonight. To you know, some fuel in the donkey. Yeah. <laughs> a few more carrots for the journey. Yeah. <laughs> the donkey's a hybrid. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's loads there that I definitely chime with. And I think you say that idea of of kind of offering that that work for me, you say like because sometimes we can just think of working for our employers when really like we're working for God and for our families in providing for them. Uh, so it's very interesting. Like uh, I've, I've read quite interesting a book about uh, holiness and work. And one thing that jumped out said like we spend much more hours in our, in our work than we do in our church. And it's like, yeah, actually, yeah that's um, it's an opportunity. If I like how the Pope says, 
we participate in the work of salvation and um, hasten the coming of the kingdom by what we do. And it's great to hear you reflecting on that, Rick, in your job of police officer. And we'll get a little bit into that uh, more in a moment. But yeah, I think it's really recognizing that, uh, that dignity that work brings. Uh, brilliant. So following on from that, uh, how do you see your work, so your daytime work, uh, interacting with that of your work of a deacon? Do, do they sometimes feel like opposite worlds or worlds colliding or kind of like it all kind of mixing quite well in a very a synergy way? <laughs> oh, going back to the hybrid cars again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, suppose, I suppose for me it's quite amusing because um, somebody wants to turn around to me and say, are you sure you hear the call correctly, priest and police? Priest and police. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I say that with, with tongue in cheek, really, because actually, as a as a deacon, the the diaconate and the police, the officer, the role of a police officer, are very, very much entwined. Very much entwined. It's about you know, it's about the service, um, the service to people, um, being there at a person's. A person's best moments, being at a person's some sometimes a person's worst moments, you know. Um, and you know, an example, you know, just to be extremes is one moment you can, which I have done on two occasions. One moment you can be um, helping a, a mother to give birth in the back of a police car on a on a on a, um, a, a, a on a road when we've been held up in traffic, and on the complete extreme, I can be sat. And I have been some years back now, sat on the top of a block of flats with a fourteen-year-old girl who wants to end her own life. So it's it's you know the, the extremities of of what we deal with as a police officer is is, is immense. Um, a, a colleague of mine once turned around and said, "Policing is a passport to life," because um, you you do see the whole extremes of of, of persons. And as a deacon, again, it's a passport to life because. You know, you are there for so many different people, um, for so many different things. Um, some people don't want to, you know, I don't know if Dave has seen this, but some people come and speak to us rather than go and speak to the priest. Yeah. Um, because um, they, they know they know we're married. They know, we've, you know, we've been, I'm not saying priests haven't before, you know, I get kiboshed by other priests with ISIS, <laughs> but, you know, they know we've. They know we've. Um, you know, we live in. We live in the world. We we are part of the world. Um, and again, I think that's the beauty of being a diaconate is you know you've a foot in the foot in. You know, one foot in the real world in essence, one one foot one foot in, a, in, in the clergy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that we're actually able to to bring the experiences that we see in our life to to these situations. And um, I, I think the the biggest thing. Um, if anything, being a police officer challenges my faith on a daily basis. Um, because I do see situations and just go, where is God in this? You know, where is God in this atrocity? Um, and you have to, and I'll turn around and I've, I've preached about this before. I'll turn around and go, Lord, you need to send somebody to help this family. And he's, you know, he'll tell and I say, "Well, your prayers already be answered because you're there, mate." Um, and, and in most situations, you just think, "Well, actually, you know, you do deal with people." And, and it's been commented by my colleagues, by you know, that 
how do you speak to people like that? How are you able to communicate with people like that? How do you get people on side? How, you know, and, and it is because regardless of, this going to sound really corny, but it's true, but regardless of who they are, regardless if they're a drug user, regardless if they're, and this is both in the actual ministry and in the policing, regardless if they're a, a drug abuser, regardless if they're somebody who's, who, who's a thief, regardless if they've committed hideous offences, do you know what? They've all got a backstory. They didn't go, They didn't start like that. And, you know, so everybody's always got a story. And, and that great saying of, there but the grace of God, go I, is never more evident to me than as a police officer in some of the situations I see. Thank you very much. Uh, Dick and David, what would you like to add? Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, obviously, I'm I'm not at the the sharp end, um, in in the same way as Rick is, but you know, I, I do see the the community in church as a bit of like an extension to what we what we have outside of church, you know. And obviously, when you're in church, you're meeting great people and you're asking about their life and sharing their concerns. And as Rick rightly says, you know, a lot of people will come and talk to us rather than necessarily go to a priest. Because you know we we are some of us are married, um, and and we have probably more day to day life stories, I suppose, than 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 sometimes some of the priests do. do you know, um, and I, I always think back to the sort of dismissal that we give at the end of the mass when the deacon goes, "Go out and proclaim the gospel by your life." Oh. And I think you know that that can be taken as a bit of a, a bland statement, but it's you know it's actually a, basically telling us to continue the prayer and love for God to all of his people, you know, and, and I've, I've sort of met through my work, you know, um, a lot of the down and outs, you know, and the, and the homeless and, and it's, you know, it's it, the, the homeless is, is one of my sort of pet charities because I, I just don't believe that in this sort of day and age and in the 21st century and in a first, first world country, we should have people sleeping rough on the streets. You know, that just doesn't doesn't gel with me. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's 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 welcoming people where they are in life. And, and um, you know, everybody's got their own problems. Everybody's got their own issues. And I think, you know, to often the beauty of it is that they would just want to be able to talk to somebody. Mm. And, you know, and, and not, that's not sort of directly linked with them so it's not a close friend it's not a relative it's somebody independent and i think that's where you know they, they will probably feel fe fearful or you know not not necessarily wanting to open up as much to a priest whereas they they, they probably see a deacon as a slightly different role because you know we, we you know if it's a marriage concern they know we're married you know if if it's some other issues with you know with issues with children they'll know we've got children so the, the, there's some like real world experience that we can draw on there um and i think you know it, it also gives us as deacons opportunities to talk about our faith you know we, we've we're blessed that we've got this wonderful faith and and it's you know it's a great gift and great joy but that gift isn't for us to keep that gift is for is multiplied by us taking it out and sharing it with others and you know and and um especially at times like you know picking up with what rick says you know you meet you meet people whereby you know they they might have um 
had sort of, sort of an illness or bereavement. You know, I, I lost my father back in 2008 and, and it was, um, it was a very sudden, it was literally one morning I got a phone call and, and by the time I got around there five, 10 minutes later, he was as, as good as dead, you know, and suddenly your whole life changes in, in those few minutes. Um, and, and it, sometimes it is hard to see God in there, but ironically, you know, we went to see him again in the, in the afternoon and the, it was when he was in the, um, chapel of rest and one of the priests came to, to say prayers over him. And that's, that's when I felt God there, you know, that God, God was standing with my mother and I with his, with his arm around both of our shoulders and saying, don't worry, we will get through this. And sometimes you don't always feel that, but you know, I think it's just, sometimes it's just other people giving you that little bit of comfort, that uh, a listening ear. I think that's what a lot of people want. They just want some people to listen to them Mm. and, you know, not necessarily, you're not going to have all the answers, but just, just to listen and to empathize with them. Often that's just enough for for most people. It's really interesting. I would say, I've I've said this (laughs) a few minutes ago that, Often, I would say, those of us who aren't deacons can just see, oh, yeah, the lad who reads the gospel and kicks us out <laughs> at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, 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 ministries, um, of the ministry of the altar and of charity, isn't it, really? And that yeah. we take charity in its full form of the love of God and that sacrificing love. So it's wonderful to hear about that. Uh, going back to um, our kind of our lives in work, obviously, um for the majority of your working lives you've not you've not been deacons mm. uh, so what do you think you found of kind of catholic men in secular working environments i i can't answer this <laughs> I, I worked for the diocese before that i was <laughs> I was a school chaplain a university chaplain yeah so uh what, what do you think of the challenge of being a catholic man in a, in, in a secular uh, in the secular world environment of work and how have you tried to maybe rise to those challenges or fall in and try to rise again to those challenges and is it different now that your colleagues know you that you're a deacon um for me it's 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 <laughs> please there's a very very strange world um <laughs> it's a very very strange world um uh, and uh well, the parade room um is where we obviously spend an awful lot of time where you know we, we are between going to jobs and stuff um i've always been a weirdo bible basher um, which is which is fine, um, but what's really interesting? I'll, I'll share something interesting in a minute. Um, is is you'll get an awful lot of, oh, you're not coming here to convert me, are you, Jonesy? No, no, I'm not convert. <laughs> no, 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 no interest. So I I, ne- I I never stand up and push my faith, never. Um, but however, I have had many an interesting conversation about faith um, because there'll just be something which sparks a conversation. And then they'll go into a faith conversation. So all these people who two days ago, Bible bush, funny, are now in a really deep and intimate conversation with you in relation to that. So that, that comment two days ago is almost been their way of breaking the ice to start that conversation with you. And what's really amazing is the amount, the amount of resting Catholics who are in the police. You know, mm. those people who would turn around to me and say, I used to be Catholic. Um, and that's a massive thing. I used to be Catholic. 
obviously I could turn around and go into a hole like, and, you know, well, actually, I don't think it would help in most situations. Um, <laughs> Handed you warrant card yeah, in early. <laughs> no, no longer a Catholic. Um, what? Um, so uh, yeah, uh, so it's 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 quite interesting, but, but how many um, uh, resting Catholics are? And, and what's also interesting is, um, which I, which I find highly interesting, is the amount of people who turn around and say, "I don't believe in any, I don't believe in anything," mm. I, you know, "I don't believe in anything," and when you look at them and go. Well, you must do because if you didn't believe in something, you wouldn't be doing this job. Because why would you want to help somebody if you didn't believe in a greater good? Mm. Yeah, what what's the point? Mm. What's the point of wanting to help somebody if you don't believe that you're doing it for for, for, for something better? Um so for me, yeah, and, and when I became yeah, when I was ordained, what was really nice is um five or six of my colleagues who didn't have a clue. <laughs> about what I was doing, came to my ordination. Um, they supported me. Yeah, so, so, so for me, it's, it's not changed drastically in relation to before and after, but people have got a respect. People actually, you know, people do respect that, um, that what I do. And people will tell other people what I do, which is quite interesting. So if somebody else comes onto a team, Belt around and go, oh, you'll never guess what he does. And then it gives me another opportunity to turn around. So what's that? And it gives me another opening to go, well, actually, what it is is, um, uh, and then obviously it's just like, well, what can you do? Oh, uh, hatch, match, and dispatch. Um, <laughs> the classic. Yeah, hatch, match, dispatch. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's where I am with it, mate. I think for me, yeah, I think for me, it's, um, it, it's, I've tried to stay the same person. I think, you know, I, I don't think, um, you, you've, you've obviously gone through the formation and you have developed as a person, you know, and, and I think I've become probably a lot more empathetic with people than I, I probably was before. Um, and there's a couple of short stories I'll, I'll share was that, um, most of my colleagues at work know that I was training for the diaconate and, 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 and that I am now an ordained deacon, you know, and they'll often come in and talk to me. And I was, I was just doing some filing at work one day and, and uh, this bloke came over and we got chatting, you know, and, and he goes, oh, I've seen a real difference in you over the last couple of years. And again, I think, you know, you think to yourself, well, I don't feel as if I'm any different, but again, it's this perception or the people's perception of you, you know, so whether you've become, I don't know, more caring, more interested in people, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, sure whether there's one, one particular moment you were and then the next moment <laughs> you are suddenly interested in them, but, um, but, you know, I think it's, it's nice to have those sort of positive comments, you know, and then I think, you know, that sadly the world today is we, we live in a lot of negativity, mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the church is seen by a lot of people as being quite insignificant, you know, especially uh, a lot of our young people, they don't see it as being particularly relevant to their lives. And, and I think, you know, if, if they could only believe, understand the, the love that our Lord has for each of them and that, you know, he's created each one of us in his own image and, and, and he guides us all the way through our lives, even when we make a complete hash of it, you know. Because I, I remember when um, I was doing some work at uh, Nottingham Prison and um, we, we were 
we were sort of um, helping out on the, on the Saturday morning and, and would have mass in the prison chapel and we'll, we'll be f- um, serving tea and coffee to the and biscuits to the, the inmates. And um, there was one one guy, and he he, he looked he looked hard, you know, yeah. in, and um, you, know, you thought I wouldn't mess with you during the daylight that loaded in a dark alley, mate, you know, and um, and 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 this they said to me beforehand, they said. Um, hand the biscuits out because otherwise if you're giving the biscuits in these guys will take the whole lot you know <laughs> so i said okay right fair enough so i gave him a couple of biscuits and he, he looked at me in the eye and he said would you take biscuits off me it's all like took me back a bit and I, I, said, and I looked him straight back in the eye and i said yes i would actually yes yeah, so, oh and he wandered off and and you know nothing more to be said and then the next week he, he came over and, and we had a really, really lovely chat for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it was, and it just shows that, you know, the, the sort of, you can make assumptions about people mm. and, and, you know, you, you've got to sort of, you know, okay, what he did, whatever he did. And he, he obviously got caught doing it, but there's, a, as, as Rick was saying, there's a person there. There's a vulnerable person there, and I think we we, we can all be vulnerable at times, you know. And and as as you were saying, but for the grace of God, you know, I could have that could have been me on the yeah. other side of that table, <laughs> you know. So I, I think it's 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 meeting people where they are, um, and I think you know, having that and having that empathy, having that sort of love for a stranger, you know, because as as God says, you know, what you do for the least of mine. You do for me, mm. and I think that's one. That's one. One line that I always hold dear. You know, whatever we do for the least of those, we're doing it for him. Yeah. I think really interesting. Um, or if listening, uh, really t- to see what threads I can pull out where, where people have funded, and something that really jumped out to me in both of your responses there was the idea of integrity, and I think uh, of, of trying to scan at the same time. Uh, this the section and um, of, of the uh, apostolic letter. And I thought that really kind of jumps out of, for me about what it means to be a Catholic in the workplace is to be that integrity of presenting ourselves, but not of a polished form, of a trueness of ourselves, really. And because God's going to do the polishing <laughs> over time, like what you're saying, Deacon Dave, about it, that a change of noticed in you, and that say that uh, people can then kind of approach you and, and kind of staying true to ourselves, not trying to brush our faith on the carpet, but at the same mm. time not yeah. vanishing from faith. Yeah. It becomes something that's attractive and draw draw of people. So that's that's great to hear. I think it is the integrity of being ourselves as deacons um, and not put any ears and graces on not you know being people who we're not and that, that attract people to us um because they know they can talk to a real person and we'll get a real answer well i think if you think about it god's called us as we yeah. are you know he, he called us at that stage in life where we were at and if that was good enough for him yeah. then you know it's, it's certainly good enough for us absolutely good point I'll yeah. take that one. I'll take that day. I'm happy with that. <laughs> that's, that's copyright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you say it now? Could you just edit it? So it sounds like... <laughs> um, 
our penultimate question. Uh, thank you so much for the time you've given. Uh, I've noticed something we've gone along, something that we've all three of us have got in common, which I haven't had yet, and also we've got in common with Jesus, and that um, we've all lost our fathers. Mm. And um, it's a quite, if, if, I think it, it brings a certain aspect to your life in, in, in leaving your dad and particularly in how you then trying to be a dad. And um, I know for myself, there's many things uh, from thinking back to my dad, what he did, that kind of I tried to pass on and try to emulate in, in my fatherhood. And I think we see with, particularly Jesus and St. Joseph, what I like to see is that I, I like to imagine a lot of Jesus' character, of human character, is shaped by St. Joseph, particularly his approach to work. I imagine St. Joseph as a tireless worker who worked with love. And you see that in Jesus and his ministry for others in, in this giving of self. And eventually, yeah. uh, the appropriateness of the carpenter's son, the carpenter dies on a cross with a hammer and nail. And, uh, and that's his greatest work of salvation. Uh, there. If, so if they, if there anything that you hope to show your children, your attitude towards work and your faith and how, and how you live that out? Yeah, good question. I've always been one of those people that I think um, the best way you can show somebody something is, is by example. Um, and I, I think, you know, the fact that I, I'm, I'm involved, you know, I work as, 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 as an accountant, you know, I, I work as a deacon, you know, not that I see it as, as work, you know, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's having that fulfillment. And, you know, one of the things I've, I've sort of tried to pass on to my children is that, you know, um, be a giver, not a taker, you know, always, always try and sort of put the other person first, you know, and, 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 and I think as a, as a father and, and, and a parent, that, that's, that's common nature to us. I think we have to sacrifice some of our hopes and dreams to be able to provide for our family, you know. Um, and, and I think there's also times when, you know, you've, you look back at your life and you think, well, I'd like this and I'd like that. But you think, I, I, I want it, but do I really need it? No, I don't. Yeah. You know, um, and I think, you know, my, my father, he, he, was, he worked a lot, you know, I, I've largely... Uh, brought up by my mother because he he worked sort of five days a week and then he worked Saturdays and Sunday mornings. So, you know, by the time he, he came home, he was, he was obviously fairly tired. Um, so I didn't see a great deal of him. Um, but, you know, I, his his word was always the final word. You know, it's like she, my mother used to go, you wait till your father <laughs> comes home, you know. <laughs> so, which I'm sure we've all heard over the times. Yeah, yeah. Good Irish mother, you know. So, um so, you know, I, th I think it's, it's a case of like, you know, so long as you, you, you've, and I think you build up a respect for the man, mm. um, you know, and, and um, I, I just, just a, a, a little story that it's something that really still, still wrangles at me, which it, it's, it's stupid, but it shouldn't do. But the night before he passed away, um, I'd, I'd had a bit, I'd, I was going to go up and see them. And uh, I saw him at the church the previous Sunday because he, he went to the same, he went to the cathedral as well. And he was a, he was a verger. And it's funny that that week, first weekend, you know, that, that, that weekend, I thought, you're getting old with that. You know, <laughs> sometimes you see, you, you see the same person for weeks and weeks on months and months and years and years, but you suddenly see a subtle change in them. And, um, 
I thought, yeah, you, you're looking older, you know. And he, he was he was only 74 when he passed away, so not not old by these you know these standards. And that Tuesday night, uh, I was due to due to go and see them and just you know go and have a chat with them as as normal as I popped in sort of two or three times a week, you know. And I, I was tired after the day, and and I phoned up and I said, oh yeah, I'll come see you tomorrow night. And I said, yeah, that's fine, you know. And then next morning, I got a phone call, you know, and and you think to yourself. It's it's silly because it wouldn't have made any difference. He would have been sitting in the chair and he'd say, "Right, I'll see you on so, you know Saturday or Sunday." But it still wrangles with me, mm. you know. And I think that that's because of you know that love and respect that I did have for him, you know. And that you know, I, I'm I'm hoping that my children have for for me, you know. Because um, what I've said to them is, you know, it's sort of career advice. I says, you know, you've, you've you're standing at the threshold, you know, you, you, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, you know, when you leave school or when you leave college, the, the world's your oyster basically. And it says, but use the talents that God's given you, mm. you know, and, and it says, you know, don't, don't think that you're necessarily going to be in the same field or you work in life. You might not, but do something you want to do and do something that, you know, God wants you to do and, and that the Holy spirit will guide you yeah. in. Um, and you know that that's all, that's all the that's all the advice you can give, really. And I think it's it's just been that example. I think uh, I love what you're saying, mate, though, because it's very much so me. And, and you know, you lost your dad quite suddenly. I um, I lost lost my dad quite suddenly as well. Um, I was working in London at the time, and my dad was here in Grimsby. Um, I got a phone call from my brother. It's about half past one in the afternoon and and he says, you know, um dad's dad's well what they thought at that time, dad's had a heart attack and he's being taken into hospital. So obviously I left work from London and started travelling down the M1. And um I always remember it so vividly because it's one of those situations where how to do a job badly came to comes to mind. Because <laughs> I I rang a hospital and uh, I spoke to the nurse, and I, I, I can, like I say, remember vividly. I was on the M1, I was at Leicester Forest East, and um, I said to a nurse, "I said to a nurse, can I speak to Jonathan Jones or Simon Jones, my two brothers who were already in the hospital?" And he says, "Why is that?" I said, "Well, my dad's been ex- admitted um, to a hospital. Or oh, what his name? Uh, John Jones." And she covered, she covered the receiver up, but she didn't cover the receiver up, and she shouted to somebody else. Um, I've got a relative of John Jones on the phone. Is he the one who's just snuffed it? Um, <laughs> and and then I heard from down the corridor, yes. So whoever she was shouting to, yes. And she comes on and goes, no, um, I'm sorry, I can't get your brother at the moment, blah, blah, blah. But at that stage, I'd, I'd hung up. I'd, I'd ignored it. Yeah. But in some ways, you know, God was working there as well because what I did, I slowed down. I stopped. Yeah. Because there was no mm. point in rushing mm. anymore. We just we just we just slow down and, and stopped. Yeah. Um my dad was a very um yeah, I'll get emotional, but my dad was a, a very, very special man. He was a convert. He came into he came to conversion through Our Lady of Lords massively. Um he came to conversion through a miracle of Our Lady of Lords. You know, we weren't a rich family whatsoever. Um uh, we lived very much um uh, uh, hand to mouth. Uh, similar to Dave's dad, my dad would work five, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, just to make make ends meet. Um, and uh, he was offered the chance to go to Lourdes on the Jumblins, across Jumblins, 
um, and um, he didn't. He was not interested whatsoever. There was a friend of my mum's who who offered for him to go, and he says we can't afford it. And even at that time, and I'm talking, gosh, eighty three, nineteen eighty three. You know, he asked a question, how much was it? And she says, well, it's three hundred and seventy one pounds to go as a helper. And it's like, there's no way. I mean, he was wearing, he was earning sixty pounds a week. There was no way in God's earth he could make it. And um, you know, he says, and 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 the lady just turned around to him and says, you know, if our lady wants you, she'll get there. Yeah. Um, and of course, he didn't know who our lady was, regardless of <laughs> you know whatever. Um, and uh, a few few weeks later, she turned around to him again, sort of three weeks before a trip, and says, "Would you be willing to? Are you interested?" He says, "No money, not interested." And again, she said, "You know, you will get there if our lady wants you there." And the night before final payment was due. Um, you know, um, the lady phoned the lady phoned again and says, you know, are you going? He says, I can't afford it. She says, well, payments aren't due until midday tomorrow. If our lady wants you, she'll get you there. And we woke up in the morning, and again, I can remember specifically, and on the doormat, my dad was a self-employed builder, <laughs> and on the doormat was a brown envelope with a note in it saying, dear John, I'm sorry for all those years ago when I ripped you off on a building job. There's £371 as compensation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know he went to Lourdes and he got converted. Um, uh, he was he promised he promised to take forty. He promised to visit. Um, he he felt a real number. And he felt he felt um, asked to take forty pilgrimages, forty full pilgrimage to Lourdes. Um, he did, um, and his fortieth pilgrimage was organized and he died just before it. So he fulfilled our lady's promises, but, but, mm. but, you know, he would take, and now he's, he, you know, his ashes are scattered in, in, in the shrine as well, which is, which is really nice. Oh, but, yeah. But for me, it's a relentless father. Mm. You know, if, if anything I can give, you know, if anything I can give to my children from what I got from my dad is, to do anything and everything you can just to make their life that little bit easier. Thank God, you know, I've got three amazing kids, never caused me an ounce of trouble, you know, and, you know, they're all going on and we've all got their own and we've all grown up with, with very much a, an attitude of um, helping other people, you know. So, yeah, there we are. Absolutely. I'm very humbling to hear, I've got to say, both of you opening up so much there. And I think, again, I've, I've, throughout this, this time together, I've had so much where I felt like, yeah, I, I, I can feel that as well. I can say, like, my dad was archetypal Irish father as well, like, left school at uh, 14, 15, got a job and everything like that, and to make his dad proud and everything like that, and... His dad did. His dad was a postman, and I found this. Didn't even realize this existed a couple of weeks back. Uh, one of our cousins sent it of like when he retired as a postman in the village in Ireland. Actually, knock. So they've got the, we've got the we've got the, uh, we've got the yeah. trilogy of uh, Marian sites there <laughs> in Lords, Walsingham, and uh, and knock that he would have cycled the equivalent of around the world, uh, like as a postman, and the time when there were no phones. There's no radio, yeah. there's uh, no uh, TV. So he was the person who brought the news to everyone. 
he of the postman. And then my dad came over here to England as an 18 year old with his older brother and kind of just worked hard and established a home for my mom, for me, uh, for, for uh, my brother. And uh, he comforted, just like you say yourself, like comforted it sometimes you'd have to go to other end of the country to work or to Ireland working as a civil engineer, like working in pipelines. And that desire to just go, I'm putting my family first. It's definitely something that I, I definitely saw. But at the same time, if also a man of prayer and carried his rosary with him. And would, would, no matter how hard his week had been on a Sunday, we all went to mass. And I think that was definitely something that mm. I hope to kind of carry on uh, with, with my little one. And please, God, God will bless me more as well. Excellent. Yeah. Um, our final question is just, um, if there are any particular tips or things you'd like to share from your experience that you've learned about balance in that, that of, um, I can't remember what you said earlier about being a, I think it was David about being a, 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 an apprentice Juggling, juggler with the yeah, three balls yeah. in the air of work, yeah. <laughs> church and family and trying to get, get that balance right. Anything that you've kind of found either the hard way or you've gone, actually this worked for me, it might, it might work for you. <laughs> You'd like to pass on to our listeners. Yeah, I think for, for, for me, it's, um, as I say, you know, it goes back to the training at Oscott, you know, and, and it was saying about the getting everything in the right context. Um, you know, I, I, I'm one of those people that will always try and go the extra mile, you know, and, and, and help out wherever I can. And, and you know, it's, it's, it, is, it is a juggling, uh, it, is, it is hard to juggle everything at times. Um, but I think, you know, I'm fortunate in that, uh, as I say, obviously I've got the, the support of my wife and family and that, that's first and foremost and on its in and you know, that's obviously come through with, with Rick and his family as well. Um, and like my job, you know, with, with having shared with my bosses, there's my sort of journey through, through the training. Um, one of the beauties of my job is I, I, we actually have flexi time so you can build time up which is nice sort of like on a first friday we have exposition at 12 o'clock followed by mass at one o'clock so i always try to expose our lord at uh, 12 o'clock you know so I, I usually have that afternoon off you know so you think to yourself right okay well i know i need to build up a bit of time for this you know um and and certainly with um like tomorrow uh, one of the things i'm able to do with with having laptops is is um, actually work from the cathedral sometimes you know just go and work in one of the rooms up there which which is lovely you know because again it, it, it especially with the pandemic gets you out from the same four walls <laughs> at home you know to oh, yeah. so see see a few different faces um but it's also you're also there for you know you can go to one o'clock mass then and everything and sort of work work around the the um requirements there as well so um but I, th I think the thing is is make, making sure you you you're fair to yourself. You know, like I say, one one of the things I try to do um, to in in the morning is I'll, I'll take the dog out for a, a good long walk by the by the river, and we're out for about sort of fifty five minutes, 50, towards an hour, and uh, you know it gives me time to sort of say my rosary, and gives me time to sort of just think about the day ahead and and think what I've got to do, and and you know what I need to what I need to completion and and also gives me time to to ask for the, the you know the holy spirit for guidance you know if, if i've got some some issue in in my life or something that i need to um uh, you know is, is obviously bothering me because I, I 
I think we don't always, you know, I'm one of these people, my wife says, you you should always trust a lot more. And I, <laughs> and I, I don't know whether it's a male thing, but you feel like you, you can sometimes do everything oh, yourself, of course, yeah. Yeah. you know, and uh, so it's, it's obviously is a male thing. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the number of times, you know, I've, I've, I've faced a difficulty in life and, and sort of, um, you know, prayed about it and, 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 you know, it's gone away fine you know and and you think to yourself well what were you worrying about that for you know um but i, th- I think you know that that is that as, as i've got older you know that, that's hopefully the number of times that's happened as, as lessened because you think yeah i know that god's walking with me and 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 one of the things i've got in, here in my office is the footsteps prayer mm-hmm. um with with the two sets of footprints on the beach you know and and one one's you and one's the lord and you're looking back over those two sets of footprints and, and that the various events in your life and 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 at times when you've you've been really down and 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 lonely and frustrated and angry or whatever you know there's only one set of footprints you know and, and at the at the end of the beach you know you, you turn around to the lord and said well why did you leave me when i needed you most and he says i didn't leave you it was then i carried you and you know that i think yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful prayer, and and you know it, it just it just sums up the whole of the whole of God's love for us. I think you know. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think um, uh, tips, my lord. Um, I think the church is being called back into apostolic times. And that's a massive that's a massive statement to make. But I do think the church has been called to apostolic times in relation to the um uh, where it's a lack of calling or a lack of enthusiasm or just a lack of people listening to the call to become um priests. Um and actually, you know, with the diaconate, there's, there's certainly with permanent diaconate becoming more and more um established. Um, that actually, I think we are being called into those times where we are going to be suffer. We are going to suffer, you know. So we know we're not going to get any more priests for the next six years at least um, through the ordination process. Um, and you know, the, the church, the church of a whole, is is suffering um, in relation to that. I would like to really encourage those men who are listening to this to see if God's calling you to this amazing ministry. And I think sometimes, um, I'm going to sound really sexist, and it's not being sexist at all. Um, but I think sometimes as men, we can just sit back and relax and let the church continue around us. Um, and when we see the ministries within the church, you know, they are predominantly um, uh occupied by 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 females um and because i think the men have just taken that somebody else is doing it so why do i need to Mm. um and uh, i think people especially our men and especially miss yera saint joseph need to be open and accepting the idea of the permanent diaconate. And do you know what? 
we do four years in formation. Yeah, well, actually five now because I think we've changed the formation to have a um, an out of college prep duty gear. So I think it's now five years in formation anyway. Yeah. Am I right, David? Yeah. Have you heard that? Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, it's just gone to five. So <laughs> you know, you've got those five years to discover if it's right for you, um, and that's what this segment is. So you may hear the call, and you may go, you know, that's that's what I need to be, or that's what I want to be, or that's that's what God's calling to me. And two, three years down the process, do you know what? You may not be. But however, those three years, you'd have learned, you'd have studied, you would have changed, you'd have had a different outlook, definitely a different outlook on, on the church and, 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 and in the history of the church. Um, so I'd really encourage men just to just to just to probe themselves, just to just to give them a bit of it, give it, give them a shake and go, do you know what? What can I do? What can I do for our, what can I do for my church? Um, what can I do for the Catholic Church? How can I make a difference? Um, and I'd really, yeah, I really encourage. Um, during my time in formation, um, and again, David knows this, and and all my brothers who formed, went through, through formation when we met, it was certainly not a bed of roses, and I don't think it was a bed of roses for any man who goes through formation. Um, no, no. You, you hit speed bumps all the way. Um, and the devil doesn't want it. You know, the devil doesn't want it because all, all he wants to do now is sit back and laugh at the church and watch it collapse around us. And, you know, it's our time now to actually, you know, take that mission and, and fight back and, you know, really, really, really fight back. Um, and, and, and bring our church back to where it used to be. Um, I do think coming out of a pandemic, um, yes, it's been heartbreaking. Yes, there's been an awful lot of losses. And, you know, that's, yeah, it's a horrendous 100 and, 150,000 souls lost to it. But however, you know, we know that we know that some good will always come from the bad. You know, and we can see that through, 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 through Jesus. You know, G- Jesus died in order to, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, bring recovery. And we've just gone through a massive loss. We've just gone through a massive bereavement. We've just gone through a massive death. But look what can be done just by the faith of 12 men. As we've just come from Pentecost, you know, 12 men who said yes have established a worldwide network of church and faith. And do you know what? These people, these, these men who may be listening to this podcast, you could be one of our next 12. You know, you never know where God's going to take you, you know, just, just, just by saying yes. Um, a piece of scripture was given to me when I was 18 years old um, um, by a, a lovely sister who was, who was praying with me at the time, praying for my vocation. Um, I really wasn't sure what I was doing. I was, I was a lost soul. And it stayed with me forever. It's, and it's Hebrews 11, 1, and I'll read it for you. And it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and in assurance about what we don't see. Um, and, and that's massive. You know, it's a confidence in what we hope. So what we hope for, you know, let's, let's, let's start hoping. Let's start hoping. Let's, let's start dreaming dreams. Let's start, let's start dreaming these unimaginable dreams of what we can do. And, you know, and have the assurance about what we don't see. 
we can't see those dreams come into fruition. But for God's sake, don't stop dreaming them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's excellent. Thank you so much. There's, there's a great thing there, a message for men, for, for, for what you've both said about, first of all, not seeing actually that it's down to us uh, alone. That or to actually to actually to just think that oh this is a burden we've got to carry alone. Be it our wife we can provide in our friends, our family, our priest, like if it's a deacon in your parish, kind of to say actually we carry this together. And then also to to actually look around and go, who needs me to help them carry that really? And at the moment I would say I think our church does need us. And I agree there, Rick. I think the thing that will. One of the titles that I discovered this year, Saint Joseph, is Terror of Demons, and we we can share in that role when we when we love our family, when we pray for our family, when we do our work integrally, and commit ourselves to God and what He's calling us to do for His church. It's a wonderful message. Um, I think what, just just yeah. one thing I'll, I'll share with you, um, um, Joe, is that when my spiritual director, when I was talking, you know, um, on my journey through um, the diaconate, um, he said, the closer you move to God, mm. the more the de- devil Absolutely. will attack you. Because, you know, he, you, you're, you're, you're moving yourself closer to our Lord. And, and as you say, he hates that, mm. you know, and he will do everything he can to, to try and attack you. And, and you, you know, we, we feel it in our families, you know, and, and I think the, the families are you know, or our, our pride and our love and, and, you know, nobody would attack my family, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's the strength that you need, but, you know, picking up on what, what um, Rick was saying as well as, you know, yes, the diaconate is a, is a journey, but, and um, yeah, it's not an easy journey, but you also make such good friends yeah. along the way, you know, we've, Rick and I have got to know each other very well, and uh, you know we were, our paths would never have crossed otherwise. You know, with him being up in the north of the the diocese, you know, um, and we've we've made some many, you know, our, our, our fellow brothers, you know, of some of my lifelong friends now, and 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 also the people in the parish, you know, that what what stuck with me as I was going through my training was, you know, the number of people who came up to me and said, "I'm praying for you." Yeah. You know, and and it's it's not you're not you're not on your own. You're never on your own. You know, you've you've got a body of people willing you on because they appreciate what you're doing for them and and for God. And you know, they they are right behind you. So you know, just if if you are thinking, you know, there may be someone calling, pray for it. You know, like a, like I see, you probably won't. Oh, I'm going to get one moment where it's just all all going to fall into place. But you know, listen to God, listen to what He's what He wants from you, and 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 go with it because you know, there's no better plan. I mean, finishing it like, like I said again, just to reiterate, Dave and and Joe. I think we're we're all singing the same same hinge sheet. You know, and it's quite a serious way to end this, but I think it's quite quite uh, 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 an apt way. Is two things which were taught to me. Um, at New Dawn, Davis is what you know, I heard from New Dawn, is that um, the devil hates nothing more than a, than, a, than a good Christian family. He hates it yeah. because mm, that's all right. you're doing is bringing new warriors into the fight for our Heavenly Father. So he will do anything he can to destroy the family. Yeah. So it's about you yeah. know being there, being strong and praying, praying, yeah. praying for the family. You know, and the, the devil's greatest lie, or the greatest devil, devilish, the devil's greatest achievement is convincing people he doesn't exist. 
Yeah. Very much so. Um, Joe, j- 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 just bring it a little bit light to this, though, just to finish. <laughs> um, just, just, I, I'll finish with, well, from me. Um, you say you know you say your dad was your dad was from Nock or your dad your dad ended up yeah. Going, yeah 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 from Nock yeah well um, about two years after I was ordained um, Tara Tara because I, I, I want to try and visit as many marine shrines as I can that's my sort of bucket list most people want to go bungee jumping now I want to go to our <laughs> um, but so she so she planned a, a surprise trip to Nock and obviously in Ireland they don't really understand the permanent diaconate. Um so after mass. <laughs> After mass one day, we went up into the countryside to where my because my uh, Taurus family come from Sligo. Oh yeah. So we went up to Sligo, and as we was travelling up to Sligo, we stopped outside this pub close to where we used to live. And um, I got out, and I was still in my cleric collar. And a little lady came from a pub, and <laughs> a little lady came from a pub. And said, "Oh, hello, Father. How are you?" I said, "I'm fine." Because there's no point trying to explain. There's just no yeah. point. I just, yeah, I says, yeah. I'm fine. And with that Tara guy, we all started the car. She says, oh, fire is so nice. You brought your housekeeper out for a run. <laughs> <laughs> what makes the story even better is I didn't deny it. And when I got back into the car, Tara says, you let her believe I was your housekeeper. <laughs> 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 so you know we have oh, many serious things as the actor, but my god we have some fun and you know I think Dave would, would agree oh, with absolutely. me it wasn't until it wasn't until God, God rest him when um, when Jim came with on Dave's year yeah, yeah. Um, what an amazing man he was Deacon Jim and yeah. um We've been having a bit of rough time. I remember t- t- a- t- turning up with a, 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 yeah, yeah. a barrel of beer. Amen. Amen. Breaking into a private bar upstairs in Oscar. <laughs> so he'll, he'll, he'll be up in heaven now looking down on this and going, you know, lads, well done. But um, again, you know, uh, but yeah, it, it was, so formation was great. And like Dave says, you know, we, we met yeah. so many. Yeah, so many great friends and so many great friends across the diocese now. And do, do you know what? Although we don't speak that often, and and you know I'm going well up again now because because this is very true. Although we don't speak that often, do you know if I had a crap time? I know I have to pick up the phone and speak to Dave. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Likewise. Definitely. That's what it's. That's what it's. You know. That's what it's about. But I know that that that's important and i know that eva would be able to sorry i don't know but well oh yeah absolutely eva and i don't know that tara if, if they needed to would be able to pick up going to each yeah. other and go do you know off we go i think that you know we 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 do meet up as deacons probably not as often as we 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 ought to you know as, as a group but i think you know it's uh there's a firm commitment certainly on our part to to get that going now that we've you know we're coming out of pandemic and and it's it's just nice to have that fraternity yeah, you know it's, it's very important and um you know and and it's it's nice to just sort of be able to meet others and and sort of she just share stories share issues that you've had and you know we none of us have got all the answers but um you know, together we can make a fair fist of it, I think, you know. I don't know about you, Dave, but are we going to ask Joe when he's putting his application in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that makes you lads number three who've asked me that, so... <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we'll get him yeah, in the end, don't worry. <laughs> I think you make Dalmatics this small, so... 
<laughs> Not sure if CNA or, or Adams do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mother chaos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we? Shall we close in prayer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, chat with these great men, these great deacons who seek your heart, who seek to be your presence in the world, and ask you to bless them, to bless Eva and Tara and their families, and to really encourage them in the work that they're doing in your name, whether that be with a collar around their neck, or with a police uh, helmet on, or with a shirt and tie, that they see that they are building your kingdom, that they are renewing the face of the earth in your name. Pray for all those who are listening, who are maybe in a time where they feel that they need that support, Lord, that you'll draw them towards those who are ready to support them, ready to listen to them and to carry the cross alongside them. For those, Lord, who are listening, who are ready to support others, pray, Lord, that you will take that opportunity and bring them to where they're needed most. Amen. 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 Thank you, Joe. Thank you, lads. <laughs> In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Thank you so much, lads. Thank you for joining us for this month's episode. Really hope you're able to join us next time. And to ensure you don't miss an episode, remember to subscribe. Please also share this podcast with other dads that you know. We want to reach as many dads in our diocese and help them to reflect on the image of St. Joseph. And by the help of his intercession and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see a renewal of the role of fathers, not just in our diocese, but in our society too. Until next time, God bless and may St. Joseph pray for us and inspire us.